ask my brother Cephas from yeah. Kenya. Yeah. Guys, this is one of the champions amongst us. Cephas! Cephas and Michelle left their home context a couple of years ago, relocated into the Kenyan story, our great uh, gift to that context, and it's going to be a pleasure to hear from you this morning. Go for it, Cephas. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Um, just wanted to piggyback off what uh, we've been talking about and what's been happening throughout uh, from when we began. And uh, when we, we started the conference yesterday in, in worship, I just kind of had a sense uh, that we represented the first fruits uh, of, of what God was doing with us as a movement. And uh, what would happen with the first fruits is that when the harvest was just starting, you'd get a bit of that, make some loaves, and go and give it to the Lord. as a sign that He is the Lord of the harvest, that you are thankful for what He had done. But actually, it, it represented the whole harvest that God was going to give. And even as we are here, and we're gathered, and we're talking about what nations are we in, and we kind of say, oh, they're these nations that we're not in yet, and we think the work is great, but actually, it's the first fruits of what God is doing among us. And those first fruits show what God is going to do in the future. And then I also felt, uh, I just opened the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 13, where God comes to Joshua and uh, says it's, it's time for the guys to go into the land. It's, it's time to possess the land. And I felt uh, just an encouragement for us not to be a people who define ourselves according to what we possess, but according to what we've been promised. Yeah. And uh, we talk of the promised land. It was theirs even when they didn't possess it. And God demarcated it. He set the boundaries, he said, from the Euphrates to the desert, and then they divided it between the tribes. And I also just had a sense that as a movement, we need to define ourselves, not by what we have today, but what God has said we will possess. And it's not just for us as a big movement, I just felt that even as we've been praying for gifts, even as we've been praying for hubs, that actually we should have this, this picture of what the promised land is, what is that inheritance, and that sets the expectation for the calling that God has upon our lives. We're not a people of what we possess, but we're a people of promise. And so Father, um, we, we thank you just for that we live in a land of opportunity. Lord, we, we've been called a dark continent, and we saw that picture of light, and Lord, we remember that the, you're the one who sets lampstands, and you just don't leave the lampstands, you're the one who walks among the lampstands. Lord, when we see those lights, we, we're reminded that you're walking in Africa. Lord, that's incredible. We, we've got a true and greater Joshua with us. One who, who doesn't get old. One who doesn't need to pass on to another. Because you will see the job done. We thank you that we're not inviting you into what we're doing. But we're joining in what you're doing. Lord, that's, that's the cry of our hearts this morning. It's not to set a big vision and say that we want to have churches of gospel power and, and do all these wonderful things, but Lord, we want to join into what you are doing. Yeah. And so, Lord, we, 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 we pray, the prayer of Paul, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation that we would know you better. Yeah. 
that would, would know the hope you've called us to, would know the glorious riches of your inheritance and the saints, who would know the greatness of your power that raised Christ from the dead that's available to us now. Thank you, Lord. We're not asking you to do something that you haven't done before, something new. We're saying we want to join in. We want to join in what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Um, when Timber got Monisi up, he said, this is a man who needs no introduction. And I, I feel like I'm the guy who needs introduction. <laughs> and you know, in Africa, if you've ever been to an African wedding, nothing happens until you have the introduction. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you've heard, my name is Cephas. I'm married uh, to my beautiful wife, Michelle, who's here. We've got two kids, originally from Zimbabwe. Uh, our kids are aged nine and six, a beautiful girl and a little boy, and they keep us busy. We're part of the eldership team and one tribe. And Simon, when he was uh, exhorting us last night, he, he spoke about those who uh, might be surprised to be here. And incidentally, I kind of fall into that category. A few weeks ago, I wasn't even sure I'd be at the conference because uh, we'd agreed with our eldership team that would rotate. And so last year I was here for the conference, so I was kind of passing the ball down the line. So you can imagine how surprised I was to, to get the call um, and uh, to be asked to, to speak on gospel power. Then I went and shared with my wife, say, hey, I've been asked to speak. And she was equally surprised. Uh, and then I told her I've been asked to speak on gospel power. She was even more surprised. And I didn't have the courage to ask her, why are you so surprised? <laughs> but the good news that we've been proclaiming and celebrating is that I'm not the source of the power, none of us are, but the gospel is the power of God. And I'm not sure what you think when you hear the term gospel power. Maybe you're thinking of demons being cast out left, right, and center, that we're going to be seeing extraordinary miracles like in Ephesus. People will be getting slain in the spirit or be having laughter and joy. But we need to remember that the very message that we proclaim is the power of God. Mm. That if we see no manifestation, mm. the fact that we've been gathered from the tribes We've been gathered from Africa. Aslan is on the move. The gospel power is at work. And I just wanted to quote a guy called Tabita Anyabwile. I hope you guys can approve of that. Um, he was converted from Islam. He's African-American. He's a pastor and he also contributes to the Gospel Coalition. And he wrote a book called The Gospel to Muslims. And this is what he says. He says, in my experience, in the introduction, Christians know the gospel. They simply lack confidence in its power. We don't need new techniques. We need confidence in the gospel. So this morning, I'm not here to offer you new techniques. I'm not here to offer a new formula. But I'm here to build your confidence in the gospel. You don't need anything extra. The gospel is not weak. It's not anemic. It is the power of God. Mm. But not only is the, the gospel the power of God, the very message itself is about power. Mm. 
Paul in his, in his prayer for the Ephesians. He says, I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. The gospel is a message of unprecedented power. Yes. When Isaiah was looking forward to death being defeated, he, he said there's this covering that is over all man. Mm. That death was, was undefeated. Man slaved under the fear of death. Yeah. But when, when Jesus came, when he lived as a man, when he, he died the death that was ours, he proclaimed that he would rise again. He said, it has been given to me of the Father to lay my life down and to take it up again. Yeah, yeah. Jesus came as a warrior and a victor and says that this power raised him from the dead. And not only was he raised, but he was lifted to the place of honor and authority. Yeah. Uh, we've got a 100 meter runner in, in Kenya. It's quite a thing because you know, Kenya has kind of been known for long distance, so this guy is, is quite a star. And he won the African Championships. I think he narrowly defeated a South African guy, so uh, sorry guys, <laughs> not, not boasting. But that, that, that race was remarkable because they, they needed a photo finish. They had to look at it from many angles, and finally they were like, by point something something of a second. His knee or his toe was in front. <laughs> but when we talk about the power that we see expressed in the resurrection of Christ, it's not a photo finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it's not kind of Jesus is here and, and we've got death, we've got Satan, we've got sin, and we're kind of having to put the lines out, put out the rulers. Father Angel was, was sitting on top of the stone and it's like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? This, this is no contest. And friends, the, the gospel is about power. And when we present it, we need to present it as those who are presenting good news to our country. That's something our ancestors didn't have access to as they slaved under the powers. Something that they, they couldn't know because it wasn't revealed to them has been made known in our time and we know it because Jesus had been raised from the dead. Is seated at the right hand of power. Yeah. This, is a, this is not just power and belongs to him, you know, kind of African politics. You've got the strong man and everybody else has to be kind of a yes man and say yes, sir, yes. He says this power is for the church. Mm. He won this victory that we too would be raised up with him and seated in the heavenly places. Mm. And so with that foundation that the gospel is power, that the gospel is about power. I'd invite us just to turn to James 5. I'll be continuing from um, chapter, verse 13 when Masala left us. I'll be reading from the NASD. Good. 
anyone among you suffering? This, this seems like a rhetorical question after Mosala's exposition. Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. And that word translated praises is where we get the psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and there to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. I just borrowed that from Masala. And so as we just look at this passage, uh, the main theme is on prayer. Prayer is repeated in every verse. And so James is exhorting and teaching on the power and the applicability of prayer. And within that, he, he gives an application and an illustration around sickness and healing. And friends, it's, it's, even as we talk about wanting to see gospel power, it's, it's important that we teach into these areas because there's, there's just so much deception, so much misconception, so much cynicism, skepticism, and ignorance around them. And this morning as I look into this passage, my sense was to concentrate on the area of faith. Right. Because God loves faith. Yes, he does. Yeah. We see in the Gospels when people would come to Jesus, sometimes it says he, he would be amazed by their faith. Wow. Or amazed by their unbelief. Sometimes he, he would rebuke people for doubting and unbelief and having little faith. And sometimes he could encourage them that even that little faith can move mountains. And so the fuel behind effective, powerful prayer is faith. And so if we want as churches and movement as individuals to grow and seeing gospel power demonstrated through the miraculous, through healings, then we need to grow in this area and understanding of faith. Now, as we embark on this journey of of kind of looking at what James teaches us about faith in this passage. I'm just going to make a couple of points around that. And the first one might, might seem counterintuitive, but if you've been in Mosala's uh, message this morning, then you kind of connect it. The first one is that faith doesn't insulate you from life's problems. True story. In other words, being, being a believer will not insulate you from suffering and sickness. 
We, we just heard that we, we need to be a people of patience. We, we need to uh, raise up the prophets and, and Job and their experience and, and have those guys' examples. We, we've heard about how we need to have this passive faith that is able to stand and have active faith that is courageous and continues to move forward. Because faith doesn't insulate you from life's problems. And of course, we, we've heard the teaching, haven't we? That, that's rife on our continent, that's, that's rife in the media. That actually a, a life of faith should insulate you. That actually faith should lead to good health, to everything going well. And so when, when people suffer and are sick, they, they begin to ask themselves, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah. What, am, I, am I out of the will of God? Yeah. And they'll turn to almost anything or anyone. You, you'd be surprised at the things that people believe. Yeah. And you're sitting down and they're like, okay, tell me again what, what was being taught. Mm. Because they're, they're grasping for any straw. And so people are, are given declarations, sets of, uh, sets of scriptures. They're told, read these scriptures, almost like an incantation. This is, this is how you ought to live. And you're told to, to live in what's called divine health. This is kind of, I don't know, the, the zen of understanding where you graduated. And you, you, you now don't get sick because you're so aware of the scriptures and, and so full of faith that you, you're not exposed to the common human element. Mm -hmm. And then when, when that doesn't work, they church hop. They, they're looking for the church with the anointing or the man or the woman with the power of the hour. And guess what? Those, those are the people who are landing in our churches. People who've been on a journey, receive these teachings. And it's not just an African thing. You've heard of living your best life now? That's, that's not a book written on the African continent. <laughs> and then now when, 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 when you seem not to be finding the, the answers, you now have to find the source. Yeah. Is this thing in my, in my bloodline? Oh, yeah. Is it? Who is it who's looking at me with an evil eye? <laughs> with extreme cases of going to the occult. And, and now we've got the occult even linked to the church. Yes. And listen, this, this is not just a symptom of another gospel. This, this is the leaning, this is the inclination of the human heart. I mean, that's why James talks about patience, because none of us love suffering. Is anyone here? would be praying to God and say, Lord, please send me into a season of suffering. My, my last season was, was too long ago. I've forgotten what it was like. Would you please bring that season of suffering upon me? Bring it upon our church. It will be so fruitful. And we, we want seasons of prosperity. And this is why James, when he starts his letter, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Mm. 
Why? Because they're refining your faith. Listen, it's not that your faith is failing. It's not that you've kind of strayed from the path, you've taken the detour or the scenic route. No, no. God is working on your faith for future fruitfulness. I remember a couple of years ago, I was based in rural Zimbabwe, rural Matabule. We were preaching the gospel, trying to plant churches, seeing people baptized. And then I just got sick and tired. You know, you, you get a new appreciation of that phrase, sick and tired. I was depressed. I was struggling with mental health. I'm reading in the Bible that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and I'm saying, where is my joy? What's wrong with my faith? And I was kind of like this guy, up on the screen. <laughs> why me? Why, 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 why me with, with my kids? Why, why me with my finances? Why, why me with my health? Why, why me with this church? Why, why me in this economy? Why me in this load shedding? Why me? Yet James simply says in verse 13 and 14, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you sick? He's taking it for granted that anyone who's receiving this letter could be suffering or sick. Listen, being, being a Christian, being, being full of faith, being a leader, being in the advanced movement, planting churches, strengthening churches, will not insulate you from common human experiences. James allows that it could be as a result of, of sin, but he also leaves it open that it, it, it could be a result of anything. It's just part of living as we've been hearing in this present evil age. We heard Gareth talk about that. We, we've got you already, but the not yet is also with us. We haven't arrived. So we, we can't be triumphalist in our teaching. And so we see James being very pastoral here. And this is important when we're pursuing faith, when we're pursuing gospel power, to have this pastoral awareness that we'll have people in different places. Some will be in deep suffering, some will be facing sickness, and some will be rejoicing. And the great shepherd is aware of each and every one of his sheep. He's sympathetic. And so when, when James says, if you're suffering, you should pray. He's, he's not giving some esoteric teaching. He's pointing us to Jesus mm. in the garden, mm. who in his moment of suffering mm. went and prayed. Yes. And he wasn't mm. delivered that we might be delivered. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. And so while faith doesn't insulate us from life's problems, James doesn't leave us in despair and wallowing. It's kind of if we ended with this morning's session, patience, just, just wait it out. But James says, no, faith is not passive. And uh, I could have said faith is proactive, but 
I'm bringing a challenge. Faith is not passive. It's good. James could have said, hey, is anyone sick or suffering? Remember what I just taught you about patience? Just, just wait it out. We're in the already and the not yet, so this is kind of that not yet bit. <laughs> hey, you. remember what I was teaching you about don't boast about tomorrow because God is sovereign? Yeah, it's, let's, let's just wait for the sovereignty of God. Is, is anyone sick? Well, we know God can heal. We know God does heal. But we just don't know when. So we'll wait for God's sovereign action to work. In fact, we are charismatic, so we'll wait for a word of knowledge. Hey, are you sick? Wait for a word of knowledge that tells you about your particular illness, and then you know God's will is upon you at that time. Hallelujah. Your moment of breakthrough has come. But James doesn't leave us passive. That's good. James, in fact, exhorts the sick person who, at this point, might actually be quite sick. Maybe they can't make it to the assembly. And he says, hey, it doesn't matter how long you've been sick for. It doesn't matter how serious your illness. It doesn't matter how, how many times you've been prayed for. Are you sick? Call for the elders. He then exhorts the elders to pray for the sick. And in fact, a few verses later, he exhorts the whole church. He says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, it's, it's very easy to default to passivity yeah. if you've been disappointed in this area. And, and if you've been praying for the sick for any length of time, you will be disappointed. Or perhaps you say, it's, it's not my gifting. I'm not one of those hyper-charismatic, almost, or Pentecostal types. You know, every, every church has got a spectrum. It kind of comes from, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm theoretical charismatic. I'm, I'm just getting used to this idea. But if somebody says, that says the Lord, you kind of... Perk up to say, okay, are we now adding to scripture? And you're like, um, this, is, this is where I am. And then you've got these guys, it's like, they've, they've read every Bill Johnson book. They're like following Heidi Baker. They've been to the school of supernatural ministry. And not just every church, even the eldership teams. You, you've got the guys that say, we are the, the guardians. We, we, what do elders do? Doctrine. This is us. And in fact, even, even marriages. I remember when I kind of first started speaking to my wife, she'd be saying things like, yeah, I was, yeah, and then God said to me, and I'm thinking, don't say that in public. Kind of like, you know, but people would be like, oh, it's like God is on speed dial. I'm like, hey, I have to decipher what God is saying in the scriptures. And even then, I, I, I need commentaries like Gareth was saying, you know, this commentary is saying that, and then this commentary is saying that. I'm like, oh, Lord, 
like, what are you saying? People say, huh? Yeah, yesterday the Lord. And and James could have said, hey, are you sick? Do you know that that that, that man or that woman who is like a, a Bill Johnson fanatic? Call them. They'll come and pray for you. They'll they'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And hey, presto, you'll be healed. But he says, call the elders. I'm thinking, man, can my phone be on silence at that moment? <laughs> Just a few weeks ago, a few months, but this year, I get a, a call on a Friday. So I work for the church two days a week. On Friday, kind of meeting with the staff team, planning what's happening on the weekend, and just having one-on-ones. And so it's Friday afternoon, I have to drive for about an hour to get home. And I'm kind of thinking my week is landing here. And I receive a call. There's a lady in our church, and she says her daughter is hearing voices. And I'm thinking, man, it's Friday afternoon. In fact, my wife is the better looking half in this partnership, but she's also the more gifted one. So I, I, I call my wife, can you, you know, can, can you make it? She's got incredible gift of discernment, but she couldn't. I had nowhere to hide. <laughs> and in this passivity thing, James is saying, hey, elders, leaders, be on the front foot. You know, in sport, we talk about taking responsibility. Not hiding. Taking the ball. Making meters. Carrying. South Africa is is famous for having the big forwards. They kind of change that 60 minutes and you send another pack on. And and here James is saying, how does it be like a pack? They they do the, the heavy lifting in this faith thing. They, they, they gain meters. They, they, they go where resistance is strongest. Yeah. And the writer to the Hebrews, he, he picks up on this idea when he exhorts, I'll just open to Hebrews 13, 7, where he says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. And he's saying leaders are to be examples of faith. And when we talk about faith not being passive, leaders and elders are to be on the front foot. Mm. Mm. If we're going to move the dial in our churches, if if you're going to move the dial in your church, if you're going to move the dial in your family, listen, Mm. it will take you taking responsibility, putting your hand up and saying, I will be there. I will believe. I will lay hands. But it's not just eldership teams. It's not just elders. They're not the exceptions, but they're meant to be the examples. In the words of John Wimber, everybody gets to play. We all get to do the stuff. Now, if we just left it there, we'll kind of have a bit of a wonky theology. So James, while he sees that faith is not passive, he also holds together the doctrines of faith, 
and God's sovereignty, of human responsibility and divine agency. So we see in, in verse 15, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And we're left asking, James, which is it? Is it the prayer of faith, or is it the Lord who raises up? Is, is, is it the human touch, or is it the divine touch? And James says, yes. <laughs> you see, it's, it's, it's easy to come from the other side and say, oh, yeah, okay, that Reformed theology is like a high view of uh, God's sovereignty. So let, we want to be the, the faith movement, word of faith, Kenneth Hagen. Kind of, we, we declare those scriptures and you hear people say, God has, has done everything on his side. Everything is now left on our side. But James is saying, no, no. Yeah, there's a prayer of faith, yeah. but it is the Lord who is active in raising up. Mm-hmm. And you see, the problem is if, if we end up fixated with faith, there's a the danger of falling into legalism. Yeah. And self-reliance. Yeah. We'll, we'll end up feeling guilty when people are not healed. Mm. I think, how, how can I carry the weight of this, this person not being healed or dying or, or living in this condition? Mm-hmm. Or, or we pass the blame. Say, no, no. It's, you see, Jane says, there's a possibility of sin. Maybe there's sin in your life. Mm. Or it's your faith. After all, then Jesus said, everything is possible to him who believes. Mm. Or conversely, you might end up relegating yourself, saying, I, I, I don't have faith for it. Right? It's, it's about faith. I, I don't feel I have faith for it. C- call the people with faith for it. My, my faith is not enough. James calls together doctrine of faith and of God's divine agency. I'll just tell two stories. There was uh, a lady who came to our church and uh, she had been living in Finland but she was Kenyan and uh, she arrived and she was, she was ill. She was very ill. And so on a Sunday uh, after uh, the service, she goes up for prayer, um, and then afterwards she comes and speaks to me, and she was telling me about her illness. You know, there are people who, when they tell you they're ill, you're like, that, that explains it. I, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. From the frame, your posture, she, she was very slim, she, she just looked ill, and she had these gastric issues, she couldn't eat different types of food, I'm wondering, is do you have allergies? It's like multiplicity of allergies. What is it? Is it psychosomatic? And I'm trying to analyze in my mind, and I'm just thinking, oh man, this is a hard one. I think you need, we need to start with counseling. We, we, we need to get a history. We need to get a full triage on this. But she just kept on coming. She kept on coming for prayer. And then we were holding an alpha, um, and so during the Holy Spirit weekend, she went up for prayer. And I wasn't at the Alpha. And I just heard that she had got healed. And you can imagine my amazement. Like, wow, she was healed? 
and without the triage, without the diagnosis, without all of that. But she just kept pushing through in faith. That's good. You know, when, when Jesus would look at people and, like the woman who just worked through the crowd, grabbed hold of his garment, mm -hmm. says, you, woman, your, your faith has healed you. Mm -hmm. When the Syrophoenician woman comes and he says, no, we can't give the, the, the food of the children to the little dogs, she says, even the little dogs get to eat up what's fallen on the ground. And Jesus looks at her and says, for, for such a response, for such a response. And you kind of see faith breaking through. Yeah. And we had another lady come in who was also a visitor. And we hold these lunches where we meet with people who visit in the church. And she was also sharing her testimony. We had a, we called people for prayer and she came with a son. And she was coming for her son to be prayed for. And I don't know what happened in that somehow she got healed. She had terrible migraines and she knew she was healed. It was God sovereignly working. And so you've got God sovereignly healing migrants, but you've also got people pressing through. It's so good. Yeah. It's both and and we, we know those stories where somebody says, hey, Jesus appeared to me in a dream. That's, that's how I got saved. But do we say now, let's, let's stop preaching the gospel. Jesus is appearing to people. He'll sovereignly <laughs> save them. So we should hold the doctrines of faith and God's sovereignty without becoming a passive people. Fourthly, looking at verse 15 again, I'm, I'm spending most of my time in that verse. If I'm honest, verse 15 makes me uncomfortable. When, when James speaks in what seem like absolute terms, that the prayer of faith will Say the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Wow. That's faith. And you kind of think, okay, let me go back to the Greek list. And it's like, okay, that's just what it's saying. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you've prayed for the sick for any length of time, if you've been in our churches, you, you know that not everybody gets healed. And if everybody you pray for gets healed, please can you come and finish the rest of this message? <laughs> would love to hear from you. And so, if we could rewrite what Brother James had said, hey, sometimes people get healed. And sometimes they don't. Right. There are many reasons. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, only God knows. Would have been comfortable with that verse. Yeah. Because that's, that's what we're saying. That's what we're preaching when we talk about healing. Yeah, yeah. And now we're wondering, James, having started with pastoral sensitivity, has he lost that? Has he? <laughs> or perhaps James is rebuking our lack of faith and not seeing everyone healed. I read one, one commentary and he was saying that actually the, the prayer of faith is based on an absolute knowledge of God's will. That, that left me dissatisfied. Hmm. Thinking if, if I need to have a perfect knowledge of God's will before I pray for somebody, I'm never going to pray for anybody. Yeah, that's true. And listen, this is not just abstract for us. 
Each of us, we, if we're honest, we, we bear the scars. It's incredibly painful and difficult to process when you pray for somebody, somebody that you love, somebody that you're feeling they still have their life ahead of them, and they don't get healed. Not only that, maybe they get worse and they die. And I kind of wrestled with this verse and was thinking, Lord, we were praying for Brother Sheshi. Yeah. And I know even here among us, we've got people who've, who've lost children. We've lost people in our churches. We've lost family. And how do we handle this passage? As I did that, I, I recall the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And the conversation that Jesus had with Martha and Mary. We won't have time to go there, but the story is that Jesus loved Lazarus. And when Lazarus got ill, what seemed like it was terminal, his family sent word, his sisters sent word to Jesus to say, hey, Lazarus is ill. But we're surprised in the story that Jesus, instead of immediately going, delays for four days. And we know that Lazarus passed on. And as Jesus now is approaching their home, first he meets Martha. And the first words she says is, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Sure. And you can kind of hear the unspoken questions in what Martha says. It's saying, Lord, why didn't you come? Yeah. You loved Lazarus. Why, why didn't you answer us? Why, why didn't you answer our prayer or call to you? And when Mary comes to Jesus, she says the exact same words. Why didn't you come before it was too late? Why, why, why? Then Jesus teaches the object lesson of the resurrection. When he says to Martha, what are famous words? I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And he asks her, do you believe this, Martha? And uh, I spoke to Trudy before sharing and I was just letting her know, hey, this is what I'm preaching with. And she reminded me of what Sheshi was saying. That whether I'm healed here mm. or I'm healed with Jesus. Mm. And so we, we see this statement that appears enigmatic. It, it seems paradoxical. Jesus is saying that through faith, if we believe, we will not die. And if we believe, even if we die, we will live. And the main point of what he's saying to Martha, you see, because Martha had great theology. When he asked Martha, do you believe? Martha says, yes, I believe. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. 
She believed that her brother would be raised on the last day. She believed. But Jesus was saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Hey, Martha, in my presence, I am bringing the kingdom. In my presence, I am bringing that future reality, the consummation of the kingdom, the perfect will of God, the promises of God are fulfilled in me. And so when I'm saying I am the resurrection and the life, I'm not talking about a consummated day when I will raise up all the living and dead. I'm saying, do you recognize who is standing in front of you? And so Jesus has this resurrection of Lazarus as an object lesson to say, hey, what the prophets foretold, the day of the Lord, actually it's in me. It's in my person. And this is why the day of the Lord will be consummated in his coming because Jesus himself, he is. He is. And you're wondering, hey, Cephas, okay, well, you've got us excited, but what does that have to do with what James is saying here? <laughs> well, what James says is, is objectively true in the future consummative kingdom. Remember in our passages, he's talking about praying for believers. 100% they will be saved. 100% they will be healed. They will be raised up. Right. I think we'll all agree. However, what, what James is calling us through his letter is, is not having an abstract faith, is, is not having our theology and doctrines crossed with a T and, and dotted with the I's, but he's calling us to have faith in action. He's calling us to have living faith, faith that is active today, that does things. And so he, he's saying, in your praying, I want you to believe today. Why? We, we heard about how we're not to have an over-realized eschatology. But one thing that James also doesn't have is an under-realized eschatology. What James is saying is that we are a people of the future. We are a people of the new age. This is why Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. New creation has arrived. And so, we... we, we while we wait in patience, it's not in passivity. We are praying, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are longing for the life of the age to come. And we are living as though it has come already. Which is why Paul says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Will this resolve the tension? Will this make it any less painful? No. But God is not calling us to try and resolve the tension. God is calling us to hold that together. And the final point that I want to make is that faith keeps asking. As James closes his exhortation, he, he inspires his audience He's given examples of the prophets and Job of, of suffering. Then he gives the example of Elijah. He reminds us that Elijah was a man just like us. And we were talking about it even uh, in the earlier session when Ryan was, was talking about how he, he could face, he could have these incredible highs, but he also could have these incredible lows. 
fled under threat of a lady. Maybe he was a wise guy. Somebody got that? Got depressed, wanted to give up, felt so lonely, wanted to die. And James could have picked any number of mighty acts from Elijah, calling down fire from heaven, extending the food for the widow of Zarephath, calling down fire on his enemies. But he chose this example of Elijah praying for the rain. And if you know the stories, after this showdown with the prophets of Baal, Elijah then prays for the rain. And he doesn't pray once, he doesn't pray twice, he doesn't pray three times, and you might be like, yeah, I've prayed for the sick, I did it in 2018. <laughs> they didn't get healed. In fact, they got worse. Like, yeah, as a church, we had three months where we did a series on healing. What stands out with Elijah was his persistent prayer. When it says that Elijah prayed, there's kind of a Hebraic expression. There's like, with prayer he prayed. There's a strengthening, there's an emphasis. That he, he prayed with fervency, but also with persistence. And you remember when Jesus taught in prayer, he gave the story of the widow. And it says that he told that story so that men always ought to pray and not to give up. And he starts by, he gives the story because of prayer, and when it's finished, he asks, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And so faith keeps on asking. Faith is persistent. Faith will go on praying and not giving up. And listen, you might say, well, why? Masala was, was talking about imperatives. It's, we've got an imperative in this passage to pray for the sick. It's not an optional extra. It's not something that the charismatic churches do. It's not something that we say we've got a theme of Africa, that we want to see the blessing of the nations, so let's talk about gospel power. No, we've got an imperative. to pray for the sick. And John Wimber, who I referenced earlier, he tells his story how this is book Power Healing. If you don't know John Wimber, he was greatly used by God to activate spiritual gifts in many, many contexts. And he tells the story of how they began teaching on praying for healing as a church. And for 10 months, they didn't see anyone healed. But he kept on doing it because he believed that's what God required him to do. Hmm. Not as a prophetic word upon his life, but from scripture. Wow. That we to pray for the sick. Yeah. And he saw many dramatic healings and many things happening. But I want to end by reading in this introduction. He tells of his very good friend, David Watson, who was also in the Anglican Church, he was also in that charismatic movement, also influential, wrote a book on discipleship, and he was sick, he had cancer. And John Wimber came and prayed with him for weeks, 
Then David Watson came to their church in Anaheim and their prayer teams praying for him. But eventually, David would die. Before he died, when John had said to him, hey, look, you need to get your affairs in order. This is what David said. He said, John, if I die, promise me that you will not stop preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and praying for the sick. I assured him that I would continue. Why don't we stand together? Maybe we can have the band back up. I started just by reminding us of the themes that have been coming out. The theme that the gospel itself is power. Power is not something separate to the gospel. The gospel is power. I mentioned how the gospel is about power. An unprecedented power has been revealed to humanity. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And he makes that power available to us who believe. He makes it available to his church. We're not calling Jesus to join into what we're doing. We're joining into what he is doing. We read from James and we saw how faith doesn't insulate you from the common human experience. And maybe you've been knocked down by that human experience. I know we prayed after Mosala's session. But maybe you've been knocked down in this area of healing. You've experienced pain. You've experienced disappointment. Your faith was being refined. It wasn't the end of your faith. God still has works for you to do. There's still works that lie ahead. And the wonderful news is that Jesus is our great shepherd. He just doesn't send us out. He's the shepherd who is with us. The shepherd who carries the lambs in his hands. The shepherd who says, I, I come for the broken. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to mend the hearts that are broken. And this morning, the great shepherd is here. Yes. Is here to bring healing to your heart. Is, is here to walk you through disappointments. Is here to, to walk you through that suffering. Like, I'm, I'm not waiting for you on the other side. I am with you. I will carry you through. Friends, I, I spoke how faith is not passive. We're, we're not waiting for something to happen. It's happened already. Yeah. Jesus is raised from the grave. We, we've got a gospel to proclaim. We've got good news to take to the nations. Yeah. We're not waiting for something to happen. And friends, this, this calls us not to be passive. And I just want to pray for eldership teams and, and elders here because God is calling us to be on the front lines. And maybe you felt like this is not my area of gifting. 
Maybe you, you pull back because of the pain of contact. And the Lord wants to infuse fresh courage within you this morning. Not just fresh courage, but a fresh sense of authority in the name of Jesus. You're not going out in the name of your church, in the name of a movement. You're going out in the name of the King of the Kings who said, All authority in heaven and on earth is with, has been given to me. And lo, I am with you till the end of the age. When you show up in a situation, you're not showing up based on how long you've been an elder, what's your track record of seeing healings. No, no, no. You are showing up because Jesus is with you and he has commissioned you. And so, Lord, right now, I just ask that we'll have a fresh sense of the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray for a fresh sense of your power among us. And Lord, I pray for a fresh sense of commissioning, a fresh sense of authority. And I feel that even as I'm praying among us, there's some where you feel like a weight has been placed upon you right now. I feel like God is, is giving a weight of authority in this area. It's, it's particular authority. We spoke about having apostles, prophets. That, that is an authority to equip, an authority to impart, an authority to give faith, an authority to see mobilization happening, not just for you to do the stuff, but for, to see a whole community mobilized to do the stuff. And if that's you, if you felt just a weight, as if there was a weight descending upon your shoulders, upon your body, why don't you just raise up your hand and I'd love just to pray for you where you are. If there are any who just felt that across the room, just raise your hand. I can see a few raised, hands being raised. We pray for more, Lord. We pray for more. Lord, we, we pray for fathers. We pray for mothers to be raised up. In the name of Jesus, right now, I speak an impartation. Come Holy Spirit. Impart anointing, impart confidence. The Bible speaks of, of gifts of healing. And sometimes you can get this burning in your hands and Lord God I pray for a fresh impartation of gifts of healing in the name of Jesus I pray for gifts of discernment I pray for gifts of words of knowledge I pray for prophetic gifts Lord that are being outworked in the area of healing I pray that they'll be multiplied across our churches and for some of you, 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 you have seen some healings, but it's not something that you take very seriously. It's kind of on and off, and you, you will pray, but sometimes you won't. You, you're just not sure. When Elijah prayed for the seventh time, he told the servant to go look, and he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. And I want to say that you have seen the cloud the size of a man's fist. And it was a sign of things to come, but you, you need to press in. Yes. You need to move forward. You need to not be passive. Yes. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us here.
who you have called particularly into this area, who have seen a cloud the size of a man's fist right now. Lord God, would you just bring a sense of encouragement, a sense of strengthening, a sense of reinvigoration, a sense of calling, a sense that they have received gifting from the Lord, a sense that they have been called for the building up of the body, that this is not something to be taken casually, but these are gifts that you have given to your church, that she might be built up, that Christ would, we would see Christ in, in the full man, that the body would be all that you have called it to be. We don't grow in the conference. God meets us, but there are things we need to go back and do. I love the exhortation here to elderships. You know, sometimes we like the theology of gift. Yes, God gives certain people, He hasn't gifted me. I love the challenge to elderships to be eager to respond to the call. And I love the call for people to say, God, use me, give me a gift. Thank you, Cephas, for serving us so well. Thank you for uh, calling us to great faith and pastoral wisdom altogether. Africa needs churches that will not just preach the power of God, but will demonstrate the power of God to a watching world. Amen? Amen. Let's ask God to stretch our faith. Let's activate our faith. Let's give space in our churches for God to move in power. Amen. Amen. We're going to close the meeting now, but uh, it would be crazy to close a meeting like this and to not offer prayer. And uh, it was great. I never got to tea just now because of praying for people afterwards. I want to encourage you to either stay to pray with people or to be prayed for. We're not going to give any specific calls, but if you just come, We'll pray for you. Um, but I want to release us to lunch just now. And as we do that, just want to give you one or two notices. Um, seminars start at 2 o'clock, so you've got a bit more time than you had yesterday. Uh, Munisi just asked for his seminar. If you're going to his seminar, there'll be a QR code that's coming up. And we're asking you to just take five minutes during lunch to do the little survey that's on the back end of that QR code. If you're going to Munisi's um, session because it's a little test that will prep you for some stuff in the seminar. So if you could do that and then uh, just a reminder if you are here you are not currently an advanced uh, partner church. We're so glad that you're with us and we'd love to a, meet you and we'd also love to just have an opportunity to uh, look under the hood as to who we are as advanced and so we want to invite you to come to a looking in lunch and you have permission to push to the front of the queue. And, uh, so just say, I'm going to the Looking In Lunch. And that gets you straight to the front of the queue. And then we're going to be meeting in the bar area, but we're not having drinks. We're having lunch and a Looking In Lunch. So uh, 
Uh, God bless you. We'll see you at 2 o'clock. Uh, and please come forward for prayer or be willing to pray for people, especially if you have just been prayed for. for